Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Rodney Taylor, a.k.a. the Penguin Gotham, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Welcome, welcome, welcome to an all-new episode of Geek Vibes Live. I'm your host, Jawan, and today we have a small, uh, very short panel, um, but nonetheless, it's going to be a great time. Starting off first, Tia, what's going on, Tia? Hello. Um, listening to the intro for Geek Vibes Live just reminded me of a conversation that I had with Kanan recently. I have to tell this story. It's it's really quick. Um, So recently I had an email interview with Clark Freeman, who was a part of Narcos Mexico seasons one and two. Um, And Kanan and I were speaking about it and we were talking about Narcos Mexico in general. And the uh, actor Matt Lesher came up and he's in Narcos Mexico seasons one and two. Kanan goes, wow, we got to get that guy back on the show. And I was like, he's been on the show before? And Kanan's like, Tia, yeah. he's, in, he's in the introduction for Geek Modest Live. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know why it's never clicked in my head. Because I, you know, I didn't keep up with the CW The Flash, but I loved him in the first two seasons, and I loved him in Arco Mexico. So pretty much that's just me wanting to tell you that I'm like, oh, that that's who that is in the intro. Okay, my bad now. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, a, it's funny because that was not only one of my favorite interviews because he gave us a lot in that interview. Uh, we got a lot of buzz. Um, I passed it on to my buddy Jonas, uh, who was like an Instagram legend. He just talked about like the Flash and stuff, um, and he had posted, you know, some excerpts from from the interview that gained a lot of traction on on Instagram. Uh, but what was funny about that interview was I thought we would never get him back because Dane asked him to do a drop that, under any other circumstances, is like, why would you ask that? Um, but like, he was like, all right, sure. And did it. But like, it was one of those, all right, I'm going to do this, but like, I probably won't ever come back <laughs> kind of sure. <laughs> so like, we never really had a reason to reach out to him again. Um, so we never really well, I did. I would love but, like, to talk to him. Yeah. I mean, now it'd probably be like, all right, great. Like, you know, narcos and everything like that. But yeah, it was it was a great interview though. So like, if he remembers everything up until like the last ten minutes, um, we'll be fine. We'll be totally fine. It was it was yeah. a great interview. <laughs> Had a lot of fun. Yeah, but um, I'm I'm glad you actually brought that up because it reminded me of how much fun I had doing that that interview. Yeah, he seems like a um, really say helpful person. I know that sounds a little odd, but as you said, he was. Uh, giving a lot of information in the interview and there's a bunch of interviews that I've been reading from different actors from Narcos Mexico and when they ask them uh, who you know has helped you throughout the season 
they always seem to refer back to Matt Lesher, no matter who it is, whether it was Scoot McNary, Clark Freeman, a few of the other guys. They always seem to bring him up. So he just seems to be kind of like a plethora of sharing. Yeah, no, very, very, very nice guy. Um, I mean, you know, people are going to say, oh, that's the court. You know, of course you're going to say that. But we've had a lot of interviews that have literally bored me out of my mind. Um, But his was so much fun. You could just feel the passion, like how much he enjoyed being the reverse flash. Um, And it kind of just oozed out in the conversation. And me thinking the flash was one of the greatest superhero shows ever. Um, at the time we did the interview, I, I want to make that clear. At the time we did the <laughs> interview, everyone. Um, well, it was. I just in I, the first two seasons, I, it definitely was. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm completely with you, but um, yeah, no, I definitely enjoyed talking to Matt Lesher. Um, and that is hilarious to you that you've been a part of this this show for I want to say feels like years now. Um, <laughs> it is. It's been like two years. <laughs> Yeah, you just now realize, like, oh, yeah, Matt Lesher is on there. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, Matt Lesher's there. <laughs> he's well, because there. He's, like, he's right there. He's like, he's like, this is Matt Lesher, you know, and I don't know because I never really knew his name because prior to watching Narcos Mexico, the only thing I knew that actor from was as his role of Eobar Thawn, and I don't think I just ever – bother to know what his name was even though it's like hey that guy that guy's good i like him in the show he's a really good bad guy and it's so weird seeing kind of him in narcos mexico because he's a really good guy and the whole time i'm watching it i'm like he's gonna do something evil at some point i can feel it it never happens but (laughs) all i think about is reverse flash (laughs) yeah no all i can picture is just him being a good guy and then standing up from, like, that fake wheelchair and then running really fast. Like, that's just what I was expecting from Narcos, but that's just me. Um, (laughs) But we will be joined hopefully soon by Dan um, from They Called This a Movie and Stranger Dames. Um, So hopefully Dan comes on with us, and hopefully uh, KJ comes on with us, too, from Kinda Nerdy Girls. Um, They're both a little bit busy right now, but hopefully they join in before the end of the show. But Tia... We can get into the show. Um, we have me and you. We can get into the, the show. I want to start off with your trailer for Westworld. I still have not started Westworld, not one episode. I think I told you last time I had seen one episode, but I don't count it as I've seen it if I can't recall it. Uh, so I need to start from episode one. Um, but I, I feel as though you share the enthusiasm for both of us. Um, So walk us through the brand-new trailer for the new season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Which, by the way, Westworld is one of those shows that you need to watch multiple times. If you First of all, it's uh, co-produced by Jonathan Nolan, who's the brother of Christopher Nolan, and it must run in that family that they like to do things that are really confusing to viewers and forces them to watch it, like, five times and still after a fifth time you're like I don't know if I fully got what the hell is going on here but you enjoy it so it's great but um so finally we got a full-length uh feature trailer for Westworld season three which comes out on March 15th on HBO and the trailer just looks like it is I don't mean to be cliche and say we're not in you know Toto I don't think we're in Kansas anymore but it's 
like that because anyone who is a fan of the show knows the first two seasons took place on an island in the set of quote-unquote Westworld where you have uh, robots who are called hosts and you are in this very old Western-looking environment. But that really is just a theme park for the super, super wealthy to go to. And in season one, we had the introduction. Season two was essentially the revolt of the host. And in season three, um, the hosts are taking their fight into the quote-unquote real world where they are not on the island. They are pretty much trying to seek themselves into, well, Dolores's, I should say, trying to seek herself into the real world because if you've watched the show, she has, especially in season two, has decided upon herself that for all of the decades, pretty much, that she has been repressed and abused by humans, she is now going to take that out on them. And she did her due diligence in season two, and she is taking it out to season three uh, into the real world. And it's really interesting because Aaron Paul is joining the cast, and he seems to be a human that Dolores somehow connects with, and I'm not necessarily sure why the two of them kind of uh, form this partnership, but <laughs> there's a scene where Dolores is talking to Aaron Paul's character, and she's pretty much saying that whatever plan they have, if it doesn't work, they'll do it the old-fashioned way. And Aaron Paul's character goes, well, what's the old-fashioned way? And Dolores just kind of gives him that cool little smirk and goes, I kill everyone. Which, if you watch season two, you know that, yes, Dolores will literally kill everyone and has no qualms about it whatsoever. Um, but besides that, it looks really sleek. Tessa Thompson is returning. Uh, Luke Hemsworth is returning. I really liked the uh, trailer because it had this, I think it was this piano rendition of Guns N' Roses' uh, Sweet Child of Mine. And what's really kind of like what I'm getting from the third trailer is that it really feels like, say, the last season. The way they're setting it up feels like this is the last battle, even though they haven't, say, announced that it's the last season. And I'm pretty sure I had read at some point that you know, the creators said that they could go on for a fourth or fifth season, but just the way that they made it seem like this is going to be the conclusion. And we especially saw that at the end of the trailer when we see Dolores and Maeve squaring off against each other. And Maeve and Dolores have always been sort of two sides of the coin where uh, both are fighting for freedom, but whereas Maeve kind of just is fighting for, say, equality among the humans, Dolores is kind of fighting for obliteration of the humans. And they both seem to be at a standstill. They confronted each other in season two, but nothing came of it. But season three really seems like Maeve is trying to reel Dolores in because perhaps she sees that Dolores' plans are going to be detrimental for all of the hosts. So I'm really excited to see where it goes. I have no expectations for 
uh, this series because if you have expectations, you're just going to not know what the hell is going on. So I'm excited. Jeffrey Wright is, of course, returning, and he's a phenomenal actor. And just to be back in this Westworld world with Ed Harris, Evan Rachel Wood, Sandy Newton, and see what now is going to be uh, and how they're changing it up really excites me. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, this is definitely something that I, I will, maybe tonight I'll even start. Maybe tonight I'll start it. But um, it, it's something I've wanted to get into. But every time I want to get into a show, there's always something else that kind of catches me. Um, and then I just get swept up in that. Um, so hopefully I give this a chance um, and, you know, I'm able to get through it. Uh, when's the second season? I mean, not the second season. When's the next season start? Um, the third March. The third season will be coming out on March fifteenth. So, uh, and obviously it's a weekly show, and I think it's going to be ten episodes because that's what at least the previous two seasons were. Oh yeah, two seasons of ten. I can do that. I can do that. If I can get through all of Lucifer and be ready for the new season. If I did the same thing with Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, I mean, I'll never regret that I did it, but Joel completely threatened me. That's the only reason why I watched that show. I never had any interest in that show. Um, really? <laughs> yeah, I never did. I never did. Joel legit threatened me. Cause the reason why he threatened me is because I'm like, all right, well, you know, it's the final season. I'll just watch the final season. He was like, oh, you better not. Like, I, I will fight you. You better watch it from the beginning like we all had to. I'm like, I don't know. It's not really any interest. I'm glad I did. It was a phenomenal show. It's definitely in my top ten. Um, so hopefully Westworld has the same effect. Um, you know, I watch it and I'm like, damn, this is a really good show. Why did I wait so long? Um, well, but yeah, no. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, and the thing is, is that you have some real to me Westworld, um, especially the first season. I really like the second season. I'll let you know this now that people who are fans of the show weren't the biggest fan of season two because there's a lot going on and it does get a little like confusing at times. I personally loved it. I think that the show has some of the best writing in it. Uh, there's a lot of things that they hold very close to the vest that you have no idea about until the end of the season. But then when it's revealed, it's like, holy shit, that makes so much sense. And like with Game of Thrones, the production value is just, absolutely amazing oh and you have anthony hopkins in it which like he's already like a master of his own craft so to me it's just like you get all of that together you really just can't lose (laughs) no i completely get you and that's why i said i'm i'm hoping i get into it sooner rather than later um, but it's definitely on my on my list of stuff to watch. Um, someone wanted me to watch Chuck, so that's in it too. Um, so I got some stuff. But um, I want to welcome to the podcast Dan. What's going on, Dan? Hey, everybody. Sorry for being late. I'm a part of the only Italian family that eats at 8.30 at night. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I was going to say, that's very late. My family was always like 5.30 or 6.00. Six o'clock, like the latest. If it was six, my dad got very grumpy. Why are we waiting this long to eat? Oh, I'm with your dad. I was I was very grumpy waiting, but uh, I'm here now, and I apologize. Thank you for having me. No, on. 
Absolutely, man. We just started. Um, Tia was giving her thoughts on the Westworld, um, the new trailer for the new season. I was kind of upsetting Tia constantly by telling her I have not seen not one episode of it. Um, so you That's came in at the right time. Yeah, no, I have not seen that one episode. Um, and it's nothing to do with the show itself. It's just I always find things that jump in the way um, and kind of capture me. And then I forget about it until Tia's like, yeah, let's talk Westworld, the new season. And I'm like, oh, that's what I forgot to watch. Um, <laughs> but I'm assuming, Dan, that I'm the only idiot that has not seen Westworld yet. Um, so have you seen it? Are you all caught up? Are you excited for the new season? I am not caught up with it. I saw the first season and I absolutely loved it. And then a, a good friend of mine, our, our friend Anthony from They Called This a Movie, uh, said that the second season was not very good. So I tend to listen to him on all sorts of matters when it comes to television and uh, uh, film. So I was like, oh, I'm just not going to even bother with it. But, I, I mean, I'll, yeah. I'm going to wait to see what they say about the third season, I guess. I was just talking about that with Joanne, and I was saying that the general consensus among Westworld fans is that season two was bad, but I loved season two. We have another uh, friend, Kelly, who's part of Geek Vibes Nation, and we were watching it for a week, and she was like, eh, I'm not really feeling it. And to me, I was like, man, season two is great. I'm completely all over the place. I have no idea what the hell is going on. So I love this season two, but that's just me. I guess I'm in the minority when it comes to that. Well, I hope well, you enjoy I- the third season when it comes out. Yeah. No, Dan was saying he hopes you enjoy the uh, the, the upcoming season. Yeah, Thank you. yeah. That's. I mean, again, I'll probably wait to see what people say about it. But if you're all over it, more power to you, and I I hope it's good. Thank you. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna check out uh, season one and season two too. Maybe I could be a tiebreaker. Uh, um, maybe I can come in and be like, no, nah, this is really great. Like, check it out, Dan. Or, nah, you're right. <laughs> like, like, you're right. No, it, it, you know, avoid it. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe it's something that I'll start tonight and kind of get some, some headway in. Um, I, I'm in the middle of Hunters, and that to me is like the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. What Amazon is able to do with that show, um, easily, that show easily could be a low budget, really fun movie. So the fact that they decided to break it up um, into a show, it's well-written. It feels somewhat like, I know this is going to sound like a knock, it feels like a watered-down and glorious bastard, but not in a bad way. Like, not in a bad way at all, because obviously if you've seen Inglorious Bastards, that was just Quentin Tarantino saying, how crazy can I get? Um, and this is just kind of more of a realistic, saner version of that. And Al Pacino is freaking amazing um also dylan o'brien if i'm saying his name correctly uh, i told you before tia that was who i wanted to be my spider-man before tom holland just blew my socks off mm. um so it's just really good seeing him in more things because uh, the kid is freaking talented i just feel like right after he didn't get that casting and i think he's in an he wasn't in another franchise that he got uh, badly injured uh, during or something like that. It kind of just like derailed his career a little bit. 
Um, so I'm really glad that, you know, he's able to bounce back with this show that is, to me, a hit. Whether or not, whether or not other people agree, I freaking love the show. Um, I highly suggest it to both of you. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's getting, so much fun. It's getting mixed reviews, like, online. Not that I give that any credence. You know, I'd have to check it out mm-hmm. myself. But I'm glad that you're enjoying it, so at least, like, I know that you recommend it. Yes, and I do want to apologize. Sorry, everyone listening. His name is definitely Logan Lerman. Um, still, Logan Lerman is who I wanted to spy. I had his face in my head, but I don't know why I said Dylan O'Brien. Um, Logan Lerman, actually, the reason why I think he is a phenomenal actor is he came from the same movie that I think does not get talked about enough today, but was a huge hit back in 2012. Uh, the Perks of Being a Sunflower, that was the first time I saw Ezra. That was the first time I saw Logan, and that was when, uh, that gave me a chance to see Emma outside of Harry Potter. I still think that is one of, uh, well, last, now last decade's greatest movies. Um, so much heart, so compelling, um, just great acting. That was when I knew, like, Ezra's that guy. Um, but, yeah, Logan also, Tia, was in your movie Fury. Um, very unfortunately for him, he was in Three Musketeers. Um, and Percy Jackson was the franchise he was a part of that. Not the best, Logan, but um, outside of that, great actor. Um, but all right, make sure you guys watch Hunters. Huge shout out to Jordan Peele for producing it. Did a great job. Glad he put his name on it because that was the thing that made me interested in what, you know, Hunters was about was when it was like, oh, Jordan Peele. And I'm like, Jordan Peele and Al Pacino. I'll let me intrigue. Uh, make sure you guys go check that out. But um, all right, let's move on. Let's talk another trailer. We got a trailer for Transformers. Dan, I want to kick it to you first. Um, before I kick it to you, I want to say this. Huge shout out to Netflix, who I usually shit on, but huge shout out to them. Their anime department is probably one of the best in the world. Um, uh, Castlevania. Um, this Transformers one uh, trailer looks great. Ultraman is freaking unbelievable. Um, they had another anime that I know I'm forgetting that I'm going to be really pissed about, but they've, they're doing a really good job in their animation department, and I cannot... Oh, Godzilla. They did Godzilla also. Um, huge shout out to them because they're doing a great job over there. But Dan, I'm going to kick it to you. We got a trailer for a new uh, transition. And real quick, I just want to agree with you. I... And I've watched the Godzilla and the Transylvania, uh, Castlevania series, and those are both phenomenal. So I, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, uh, as far as Transformers goes, growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, I was, you know, I grew up with Transformers. And I remember watching Bumblebee and, you know, the, the beginning of that movie and parts of the movie show what the, the Civil War that was going on in Cybertron. I just remember thinking to myself, like, man, that would be so much cooler if we could get a movie or a show that shows the Civil War going on there between the Autobots and the Decepticons. Well, I guess Netflix read my mind, and they decided they're going to be doing a three-part anime series called Transformers War for Cybertron. So uh, it's from the same people from Rooster Teeth, uh, they, and they did the same thing with RWBY and Genlock. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this. It's 22-minute-long uh, episodes beginning in the final hours of the Civil War between the Autobots and Decepticons. Uh, Megatron is back. Uh, Optimus Prime is back. So, I, you know, I should probably know this, but is, who did the original voice for Optimus Prime? Do you, would, would either of you know? I'm going to look it up. Keep going. I'm going to look it up. So, so oh, they have Jake, here. Yeah. They have Jake Foshi being the or voicing Optimus Prime and Megatron is voiced by Jason Marno, uh, Marnoka. Uh what else here? Ba ba ba. I'm I'm literally reading off of uh, like a cue card kind of thing, but yeah, I'm I'm excited, man. I mean I think there was a video game not too long ago that came out. It was War for Cybertron. And I remember a buddy of mine telling me to check it out. I, I played it a little bit, and that was a lot of fun. And the animation style looks great so far from what I saw in the trailer. Uh, again, being a Transformers fan, I feel like this is what we should be getting. A lot of the, the, sh- the original show, uh, Beast Wars, and the movies all took place on Earth. So now it'll be fun to transition to the... Uh, Transformers Homeworld and see them duke it out there. I think that's something that we've been missing from the uh, the canon as far as Transformers goes. Peter Cullen is his name, and yeah. that's what I guess a lot of fanboys were getting really excited about Bumblebee, because uh, he apparently came back to do the voice for Optimus in Bumblebee. Um, okay. So, yeah, so Peter Cullen... Um, I don't disagree with anything you said. Um, I've been since, I don't like to say his name, but since someone did Transformers movies live action, I've been dying to see a good Transformers anything um, since that point. So, I mean, this is, I mean, I enjoyed Bumblebee for, for what it was. I will never, sorry for anyone that's Transformers fans out there, I will never be okay with a movie that begins on Earth it ends on Earth. Sorry. We'll never like it. I know the old cartoons did it a lot. I'm not a fan of it. I would prefer to see a movie about cars that turn into um, big robots with nothing but other cars that turn into big robots. Not a huge fan of humans. Uh, not really. Sorry. I live with them now. I don't need to see them in my fictional world. Um so that that's a problem to me. But um, this looks great. I completely agree with you, Dan. One thing that bothered me, and I know I'm probably being a little dramatic about it, I don't like that they're in their home world, and I'm still seeing Optimus turn into a fire truck. It just kind of seems that redundant. Makes... Like, Yeah, that's a little weird. I thought the same thing. Like, how do they know what a Humvee is? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, And, like, the whole point of it was, even the theme song, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, from the original, was saying robots in disguise. But if you're yeah, on your home planet, they are. Right. If you're in your home planet, who are you disguising yourself? Like, you could legit just be Optimus all day. Like, I, right. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't really understand. That. Yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I never thought of it that way. But yeah, there's really no reason to. That's like me disguising myself in my home. I, I come home and I turn into, uh, I don't know, like a pile of laundry or something like that. It makes no sense. <laughs> right. Like, someone would come in your house and go, Dan, like, I, I, I know that's you. You're like, oh, right, man, yeah. I was trying to be in disguise. Yeah, well, you're in disguise as you. <laughs> That's not <laughs> right. a good disguise. Yeah. Um, it's very I, I watched. 
I watched the trailer three times, and I kept saying to myself, uh, this is why, like, I got to <laughs> – Joel's going to hear this and get so angry. But I got to stop hanging out with Joel because he tells me things that bother me aren't important. Like, no one cares about that. And I'm, like, I'm looking at this, and I'm trying to watch it, like, three, four times to, like, try to convince myself, like, it's minor. Like, it doesn't matter. And then, like, I saw Optimus doing it, and I saw other Transformers doing it, and I'm like, all right, this is crazy. <laughs> like, I can't be the only one that looks at this and is like, you're not on Earth. Why are you disguising yourself? Like, just walk around as your normal self. So I'm glad you agree, Dan, because that was definitely bothering me each of the four, three, four times I watched this trailer. Also, on the other end of the spectrum is you're going to have the people watch it, and if you don't them in their uh, their car disguises, people are going to say, well, the hell is this? This isn't Transformers. They they don't transform. So it's I think you just have to do that because that's what they're known for. <laughs> it would just be strange for people to like, okay, it's called Transformers, and I've it's just Optimus Prime and Bumblebee walking around as their robotic selves. But I mean, I, I guess I, I would like fine. to see that. I mean, I guess I'd be fine with it if like you know these Transformers had spent time on Earth and come back home uh, to fight this great war. Like, if they were saying that, I could live with it because maybe they've been on Earth for, like, three years and, like, that's all they know is, like, oh, we got to hide and be a truck. Like, so now, like, you know, they just adapt to it back at home. Like, it's now what you know. But if you're telling me they've never been to Earth, I'm calling bullshit. How does he know what a fire truck looks like then? Like, how does he know that? Like, where does that come from? Like, you're not just a fire truck on your home world, and then you come here and you're like, oh, Great, they have fire trucks here. Like, no, <laughs> like, no, that's oh, not going to fly with me. I, I got to look at the trailer again, but does he have the uh, the flame decals on the, uh, the the uh, the front of the truck? Does he still have that? I I want to say no. I want to say when I watched it, it looked like the the original where it was just plain red and blue. Um, okay, I, I want to say it looked like it was plain. Because I'm trying to look here as as we're talking at some like the set foot. Fo- I'm not set photos. Um, the stills, and it kind of looks like it's just regular red and blue. I I don't think there's any fire uh, flame decal. Oh, good, perfect. Yeah, I don't. I want that erased from the history books. Oh no, I'm with you. I'm completely with you. <laughs> Unnecessary. <laughs> uh, um, Tia, <laughs> um, sorry. I'm glad me and Dan got to geek out about that. But I'm gonna kick it over to you. Your thoughts on seeing the uh, trailer for the Netflix series um, for for Transformers? I guess I didn't think too deeply into it, uh, but it makes sense what you guys are saying. How would they know about any of that? I mean, maybe they looked it up on the interwebs, and Optimus Prime was like, that fire truck looks really cool. I kind of want to transform into it. I don't know, but um, I... Okay, so the last Transformers anything that I really watched was the TV series Transformers Prime that came out some odd right. years ago, and I loved and I loved it. Uh, I was actually yeah. a huge fan of Transformers Prime. So when I saw the trailer for this uh, upcoming Transformers series, I really liked the animation. Um, to me, the animation definitely kind of re- reeled me in there because it reminded me 
a little bit of a combination between Transformers Prime and, per, and say, like, the G1, like, more so with, like, Megatron, because he didn't necessarily look Prime. He looked more so G1. Uh, but I mm. that's what I liked about it. And the, the live-action movies, now, I will put this as a disclaimer right now, and feel free to yell at me. I did not see Bumblebee, so I cannot attest to it. But previous to that, the Transformers movies have disappointed me so much that I've kind of, like, pushed Transformers away, even though I love Prime. I know I keep saying that, but, like, at the time when I watched it, I was all about that. Me and uh, my boyfriend, we would, like, make a a night of it to watch Transformers Prime because it was so good. And for a little while I was playing the games, and then I stopped that because I apparently really suck at video games and couldn't beat (laughs) anything in the freaking game. But uh, so... The fact that this trailer came out and I finally feel a little bit of an excitement for something in the Transformers franchise is really cool. So to me, I didn't think that deeply into it, which, again, like, great point that you two both uh, had there. But in general, I really like it. I will definitely check it out because uh, it's been a while since Transformers hasn't disappointed me. Tia, I I can't... I can't begin to explain to you how proud I am that you actually enjoyed Prime um, because I think that it slept on. I think it kind of just went by and not enough people kind of picked up on it Um, because, you know, it was obviously catered. Like, shows like that are catered to us but, like, meant for children. I know that sounds weird, but, like, it's the same way I explain Young Justice. Like, some of the material for Young Justice is clearly for us, but it's a cartoon, so it's obviously catered for children. It was the main reason why they shut it down the first time. No kids were buying the goddamn toys. Um, So, I I mean, you you know, you look at that, but Prime was such a well-done show. And you know what I love most about it, Tia? There was only a few humans in that show because it didn't stay on Earth. It went back and forth. Um, which I am always okay with, but I like if you tell me, hey Juwan, you're gonna have three humans in this movie, get over it. I would say, no, 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 no need to get over it. I can live with that. It's when you tell me, hey Juwan, this movie takes place nowhere but Earth, so all you get is humans. That's when I say, but Prime, uh, no, <laughs> but Prime really concentrated on the Transformers, which was great, right. like getting to see all of that mythos and to really have like. There was a ton of scenes that were just on, like, Megatron shit between him and Starscream and everything, and that was great. So, like, the interactions that you had with the humans, like, made sense for what it was and didn't become annoying where it's like, okay, I just want to see the effing robots. Like, that is my biggest thing. And and a big reason why I dislike Shia LaBeouf for so long. I'm over it now, by the way. Shia LaBeouf's cool. But it's the reason why for so long I didn't like him because I was like, why do I have to watch some whiny human be the center of attention when the name of the movie is literally called Transformers? See, our issues with that franchise are completely different. My my biggest issue with that franchise, trust me, that was one of them. Um, maybe not really. I, I hated everyone else except for him. He was the one I could tolerate. My biggest issue was you had like seven of those movies. And somehow, throughout seven movies, 
you multiplied Decepticons times 10, and then you subtracted like the same Autobots. Autobots. Right. You <laughs> subtracted Autobots by, like, 30. So it was, like, 157 Decepticons. Right. 150 Decepticons, the same six Autobots. And then they, they were like, all right, we're going to give you new Autobots, so we're going to kill the current ones, and then we're just going to rotate them out for new ones. It was like, but wait, you're not doing that with the Decepticons. Like, it's the same Decepticon. I, you know, it's almost somewhat the same, and then you're adding more. Why not just add more Autobots? Um, I'll forever hate Michael Bay for that, because that's lazy. It's lazy. It is. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I, I could talk for days about how much I hate that man. Um, Dan, um, is there anything else you wanted to add about uh, Transformers? Uh, well, since we were talking about the uh, – just real quick, I guess, since we were talking about all the characters that we enjoyed seeing, uh, the series will have Bumblebee, Starscream, Ratchet, Jetfire, Shockwave, Red Alert, uh, Ultra Magnus, Soundwave, Wheeljack, RC, Impactor, Mirage, Ironhide, Teletran 1, Cliffjumper, Sideswipe and Skywarp. So that's that's who you're going to get in this series. So I know the majority very, very good of those people. What was that? Very good. That's a nice lineup. No, that's a great lineup. I I like the sound of that. Certainly like yeah. the sound of that. Yeah, that 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 seems like it's uh like the OG Decepticons and uh, Transformers. Because then I mean you get you get into the really like heavy. The, the the deep cuts and all that and it goes it goes like out of this out of this world with it and I I like to keep it simple. I'm with you on that. I'm completely with you on that. I do want to ask you. Um, I don't know many people that are, so like I'm curious if you guys are or not. It's along the same lines as this. Were were you a GI Joe fan, um, Dan? I was not a GI Joe. I had the action figures, but I did not watch the show. P.S. Were you a G.I. Joe fan? <laughs> the only thing I knew about G.I. Joe is a G.I. Joe. And that's it. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so alone in this world. I'm only asking because they they came out with an animated movie called G.I. Joe Resolute. That was very much uh, different than anything G.I. Joe, um, you know, they had ever made before. And I was like, now seeing the trailer to this, I would love a more adult version of, um, you know, a G.I. Joe animated series. That was kind of along the lines of this. G.I. Joe Resolute is freaking phenomenal. It's one of the reasons why I'm so excited for this Henry Golding um, Snake Eyes movie. Like, you guys have no idea how excited I am for this movie. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't find literally a soul um, that cares about G.I. Joe. So, you know. I don't think the movies helped any either. It was like, oh, we hated it to begin with, and we're going to double down because these movies are horrible. Um, so I'm completely alone in this world, and my extreme love for not only G.I. Joe, but Snake Eyes. It, it, it's all right. Uh, but all right, let's move on. Um, we got we got some Batman stuff to talk about. I want to get the depressing stuff out, out, uh, out of the way first. Tia... Walk us through why Ben Affleck decided to completely pull down his pants and shit on my life. 
<laughs> so for anyone out there who doesn't know, Juwan is a huge Batflick fan. Uh Considers probably Ben Affleck the greatest of the greats of anyone to ever have donned the cowl. And pretty much he was okay with accepting that Robert Pattinson has stepped into the limelight of Batman, but he could not accept that for some reason Ben Affleck wasn't there anymore. And now Ben Affleck has decided to clear it all up and say why he decided to not be Batman anymore. And it is because he says, he has lost the passion for the character, which I know is like gut punch in Juan's like heart there and everything, because I'm sure that Juan was sitting at home just like hoping that Ben Affleck like thought about Batman day and night and said, oh, I can't wait for the day I'm finally able to be Batman again. But no, that's not going to happen. Ben Affleck will never be Batman again because he just doesn't want to play the character. And to be honest, for anyone else out there besides Juan, we could all tell in the middle of Batman versus Superman and any other movie after that. So, yeah, that's the news. <laughs> um, I, 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 I can't even, I can't even get into any of the horrible things you just said to you. Um, I'm going to go to you, Dan. Uh, <laughs> your thoughts on Ben giving us, finally giving us, I guess, uh, 100% the reason why I still think he's he's full of shit. He won't just say the real reason, which we all know the real reason. Um, pretty much, which was he got into this this character um, under the you know uh, the mindset Zach told him like, hey man, come be Batman. It's like I don't know, I don't really want to be a part of a franchise like eight, nine, ten movies. And Zach is like, don't worry, I'm killing Batman. Um, and Ben was like, oh, all right, cool. That's why they made him 90. And then when Warner Brothers, you know, BVS came out, people revered that that warehouse scene as one of the greatest fight scenes ever. Uh, Warner Brothers was like, maybe we have something here. Stay on. And he was like, oh, what? No, Zach just told me, like, I was going to die in three movies. Um, so I, I think the pressure of it, I think when he signed on, if it's true that Zach is like, listen, we're going to kill him off in three or four movies, I think Finn was okay with that because, in, not, not much can really be put on you if you're in three movies and then die. Um, little did he know you could be in Batman for one movie, and we're going to criticize. Um, but I, I think the pressure got to him. I think the pressure got to him at the wrong time, dealing with divorce, dealing with uh, his alcoholism, um, and then all the scrutiny and you know that he was getting from, from being Batman. Um, so I think it just, it, it was overwhelming. I, I don't think you ever lose a passion for being Batman. I will never believe those words ever in my life. Those words don't exist when it comes to being Batman. Um, but Dan, what are your thoughts? Do you believe what Ben saying that he lost his passion for being the greatest comic book character to ever live? Uh, part of me does think that there is truth to that because like you said, I feel that there was a lot of pushback once Batman v Superman and came out and they kind of got, well, not kind of, they both really got, uh, they got spanked in the uh, critical reviews. But again, I mean, that, that warehouse scene is probably the best Batman fight scene 
ever put to film. Um, mm-hmm. I have no qualms about that. Uh, I enjoyed Ben as, as as that kind of Batman, and then Justice League they made him kind of useless. But um, yeah, I, I think that he saw the the pushback that was coming, and he realized I don't need this in my life right now. Like he said, he's he's going through the divorce. He was talking about dealing with alcoholism. I, he it just sounded like he was in a bad space mentally and emotionally. And I I don't know if he could have taken another pounding from critics. Had another Batman movie come out and it bombed. Uh, not that I think it would have, but you never know with DC's track record. It could have been great. It could have been terrible. Uh, I, I'm sad. To, see why he decided to hang it up but I get it if it's true I get it uh, I can only imagine the stress that comes along with playing these ginormous characters like you said Batman is one of the greatest comic book characters ever so I would imagine these guys you know Tom Holland as Spider-Man another big one I'm sure there's a tremendous amount of pressure and you, I don't know if you guys had heard the interview that Chris Evans gave, how he kept turning down the role of Captain America because he kept thinking about all the the anxiety that could come with it, and he went to therapy for it. Uh, uh, you know, and I, I think we tend to forget that these pe- they're people. These actors are people. They're not machines. And you know, when we and I'm guilty of this as well. When you hurl insults saying like, oh, you know, this guy sucks, this girl sucks, whatever, you know, it, I'm sure it takes a toll on these guys or these people. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm sad. I, I heard he had a really good script and they were getting ready to, to roll on it. And he just, he, maybe he did lose his passion for it. I will say from everything hearing that script was one of the best possible scripts you could have had for Batman. It had Slave in it. It had his rogue gallery in it. It had a scene um, from like, uh, God, I can't think of that movie now. Uh, it was a Jap, not a Japanese movie, but um, yeah, maybe a Japanese movie um, where like they were fighting down like a stairwell. Like he was making his the way rate. through. Yes, Raid. It was a scene. It was a scene like from Raid where he's making his way through Arkham Asylum, um, trying to get out of Arkham Asylum and, and kind of rein back the, the rein all the prisoners back in. Um, where right. Slade was ultimately the the guy behind it. You see him taking on Leto's Joker. You see him taking on Two Face, um, and he's just like fighting through these guys, going through Arkham Asylum. Um, and then, like, the last guy he has to take on is Slade. So it's like a beaten-down Batman versus Slade. You know, obviously, Joe Manganiello. Everything I was right. hearing about it, it, like, it still gives me goosebumps. Like, as Tia said at the top of the um, the topic, I am 100% okay with Robert Pattinson as um, Batman. Like, I'm not sitting here like, man, like, Robert, you sure you don't want to drop out so Ben can come? Like, no. Like, I'm not one of those people. But, like, every time Ben speaks about it, like, I know he's not just speaking it um, on his own. He's being asked about it. But, like, every time I hear his mouth open and I hear the words Batman, it gets me in, like, this frenzy. <laughs> like, this extreme <laughs> frenzy. 
that I crazy because I'm like, I remember hearing everything I was hearing when this movie was supposed to, you know, actually happen. And I start to freak out. That's why I was telling Tia, like, I don't even want to talk about this. <laughs> like, don't put it in the topic. Let's skip it. Um, because it, it sends me crazy, and I don't want to continue to think about that world because it doesn't exist anymore. It, it, it's it's mm-hmm. gone. We're in Pattinson's uh, uh, world now, which I'm completely cool with. Um, we're actually going to get into that next. But, um, yeah, I mean, I will say this. I don't want to make light of what you were saying Chris Evans was talking about, but, like, there are only, to me, there are only a handful of characters that are iconic enough that pressure comes with it. Captain America is not one of them. I'm going to actually go a step further. No one in the MCU that is not named Spider-Man has any level of expectations to their characters because guess what? No one cared about them when they were supposed to be popular. Like, no one cared about Captain America in the 90s where, where it was like the height of cartoons and, 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 um, and a lot of different comics. No one cared about Iron Man. A lot of people don't even remember Iron Man had his tune that went about a, a, a good two seasons. Well, um, like, go ahead, Jay, I'm sorry. I'm only guessing that Chris Evans may have said something like that, not necessarily because of maybe the character himself, because I'll let you know someone like me who previously may have been considered, say, quote-unquote, a casual fan. Uh, didn't really mm-hmm. know who Captain America was, but if you think about it, he was already in, say, the Fantastic Four franchise, which was big, but received a lot of criticism. So, to go from, say, two movies that were both heavily criticized, both by actual critics and fans alike, to then having the door being open to what was going to potentially be another large franchise, bigger than anything that I think anyone could have predicted, perhaps that is something alone that could have caused him to get anxiety. So maybe it wasn't necessarily the character Captain America himself, because at the time he wasn't as well-known, say, as Superman or Batman, but to know that he was going to be a part of another huge Marvel franchise after having already been through the circuit with a Marvel franchise could have been what gave him anxiety. Which is fair. Which is completely fair. I, I didn't. I, I, I didn't hear him. I didn't hear this. This. This interview. I'm just saying playing like even Johnny Storm to the degree like I can't speak on it with I don't remember what the press circuit was like um you know back when those first two Fantastic Four movies came out there's like no social media so like you didn't have to worry about like oh man like people on Twitter are killing this I don't recall what critics said because they came out of newspapers and on the news I don't recall like I don't even know what people around that time thought of, uh you know of, of him as Johnny Storm. I'm just saying, you look at everyone in the MCU. A lot of people, Tia, are, are, are like you. Like, you know, who knows about Iron Man? Like, no one's really talking Iron Man 10, 15 years ago. No one's talking Thor. The Hulk, barely. Um, it was Spider Man and the X Men. And to a degree, the Fantastic Four, uh, comics wise. But it was like, it was always Batman, Superman, Spider Man, Wolverine. Not even really the X Men, just Wolverine. 
Um, so like playing those characters meant a lot. That's why a lot of people are like Hugh Jackman. What? <laughs> what do you mean this guy's gonna play Wolverine? Um, so I Toby Maguire to a degree. I'm sure there was a lot of stuff said about him um, w- with that casting, but. I, I, I get what you're saying, Dan. Like, we don't really look at it as, like, um, these are people. Like, you know, no one wants to go into work and have someone say, like, hey, you suck at your job. Like, sorry to say this, but, like, you suck. Like, no one wants that, and I completely get it. Um, and, you know, we, we do have to think about that a lot more when we go into things down, breaking down people's performances. Um, but it, it's, it's part of what we do. We're reviewers. Yeah. We're here to give an honest opinion. And if someone sucks, I could maybe find a nicer way to say that you suck. Um, but you suck. Um, so that's what we do. But I can completely get how, you know, we take the humanity out of it when we're uh, breaking down someone's art form. Um, so I completely get that. But like I said, I still call BS. Uh, ben at some point will actually reveal exactly why he dropped out. But at this moment, I'm trying my best not to care. Uh, (laughs) Let's move on to the Batman that actually matters, and that's Robert Pattinson's Batman. Um, We got some set photos that I was getting a lot of static um, from. I was hearing from a lot of uh, my friends who have their own, you know, uh, geek groups or whatever, and I was like, I'm hearing Warner Brothers is trying to murder everyone who has this post up. So, like, don't post it. So, like, I had it on an Instagram, and then I'm like, I don't know. I got really nervous. So, like, I took it down. Um, but, obviously, it's the Internet. So, once it's out, it's, it's out. Uh, so, we got to see Robert Pattinson's stunt double, um, you know, in a full-on look at his armor. He looked pretty good. I still choose not to judge set photos. Um, but see, I'm going to actually start with you. What were your thoughts on, uh, our first full look at the bat suit, um, from Robert Pattinson's The Batman? It's really interesting. The amount of people who really think that that's Robert Pattinson when clearly it's a stunt double, uh, just look at the chin, but so, and it's funny what you said with WB, they were really out to, like, they were getting accounts shut down, and they forgot the golden rule of the internet. Once it's out there, it's out there, man. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, like you, I'm not going to judge too much because I don't believe that that's the full look of once, you know, like, special effects go in and tuning and lighting and yada, 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 because right now it looks a little... I don't know how to put this. Not cartoonish, but I forget. Isn't there, like, a Batman cartoon where everything kind of looks like bubbles? Like, everything's, like, bubble-looking? And that's how, say, like, the mask looks and the armor looks to me. But that's because I feel like it's not a finished product. So I'm not going to judge it so much. But from what I can see, I like the uh, size of the ears. I like that there seems to be like goggles over his eyes, uh, the look of the motorcycle that we saw was pretty cool. It looked like that had the little spiky ears themselves. Uh, so I like what I'm seeing so far. Uh, everything kind of looks like it has a tactical purpose to it. 
and that I I really like. So it's interesting. I'm sure we're going to see a lot more things uh, in regards to the suit, but as we mentioned, and someone actually pointed out, it was really cool because, you know, you had some people who are seeing the set photos and making very brash judgments about it, and people posted up pictures of Christian Bale's uh, suit and Ben Affleck's suit, you know, in between takes and how uh, amateurish they look and how bad they look, and that's because you're not seeing them in the full form that you should be seeing them right away. So, uh, looks good for what I'm seeing so far. As soon as we see a trailer, then I'll probably have more of a judgment as to how Batman actually looks. But I'm I want to see Robert Pattinson like full length in it because that was just his stunt double. So I really am intrigued to finally see Pattinson uh, donning the cowl. Well, see, that's why, remember what I said last week, Tia? That's why I said, if you're smart, this is why you release, if it's done, right? Like, if this suit's done, you give us an official look at the full suit. So when no one's going to talk about it, because it's probably going to look drastically different. Um, I mean, I got to give Zach a lot of credit. I think a lot of BVS was maybe shot on lot. I could be wrong, but I don't know if you guys remember this. We didn't get a set photo of Ben Affleck's Batman, like not a one. We got like 857 million of Henry Cavill, but not one of Ben Affleck's Batman for uh, for BVS, like not one. He revealed it to us well ahead of, of, of filming. And that was it. We didn't see it again until we saw the trailer. So I'm like, I don't know what he did, but, like, that's how you do it. Um, But in a world that we live in where it's, like, you're filming and, like, someone lives, like, down the block. Like, what do you think? They don't have cell phones? Like, they're not going to take a photo and and send it out? Um, So I'm like, you got to be cognizant of the world we live in. So that's why I said get ahead of it. Create your own narrative. Release the official photo. Like, what? If you can do a test screening and, and give us an idea on what this suit's supposed to look like, you tell me you couldn't have just threw a cape on him digitally or whatever and shown us an official look, you could. So, I mean, if Warner Brothers was looking to delete accounts because of this, I don't think you could really blame us. Like, it, it's given to us. So we're doing our jobs by releasing it. Your problem should be on you need a box-off set. Um, and if you can't box off your set, just say, all right, well, cool. You guys want to judge set photos that aren't meant for you? Have a blast, but it's not what it's going to look like. So, I mean, to me, if I'm doing, if I'm a studio and I'm producing these movies, I create my own narrative. I get the word out. Um, and if that is something that's maybe too brash to do, um, then I just, you know, set photos get out, they get out. It happens. I mean, no one's ever seen a set photo and gone, I'm going to hate this movie. And then the trailer comes out and it's like, no, it looked exactly like the set photos. I don't recall that ever really being the case. Um, Cause that's the whole point. Like you're getting the idea of it. A lot of technology goes into it. A lot of people are complaining. I don't see a Cape. I'm like, you don't even know if the Cape is digital. <laughs> like, you don't know if they're digitally putting on that Cape. You don't know if the Cape maybe is something that drops down. Maybe he's in a tactical scene where it's like a Cape really doesn't help me right now. I'm like, but that's why I'm like, see what we're doing right now, Tia? This is exactly why I said you create your narrative so we don't sit here and create one for you. 
Um, like I can't tell you how many sites are running with that the the biker that was in front of front of him was Catwoman. I'm like, what gave you that? Like, I don't even know that's a, a woman. Like, I, what, what is going on here? So I'm like, the idea of the studios still to this day allowing you to create your own narratives will always irk me because once you start filming, it means principal photography should have started. You have shots. You have cool looks. Put it out. Let us see it so we can chew on that. So then when this comes out, there's not much conversation because we know what to look forward to. Um, but, see, I, I mean, you know, I'll pass it right to you. Obviously, your thoughts on, on, on looking at But do you see it the same way, that they should probably Warner Brothers more specifically? Because um, I don't recall many Marvel set photos being released. Like, not a lot. Like, I can't think of many. Um, I know we got some for the Eternals, but I can't really think of the longevity of the MCU how often I saw that. Um, but do you think it's something that they should jump out ahead of, create their own narrative, or do you think they're just going to continue to be oblivious to the fact that we're in a cell phone um, world now where I, you're filming outside of, like, my school or, like, you know, my, my work or my home? I'm going to take a shot of Batman and send it to the Internet because it's 2020. It's what we do. Well, I don't believe that they should, uh, you know, create their own narrative in this case. Let people continue talking, especially when it comes to something like the Batman. It is probably one of the most anticipated comic book movies that's coming out in the upcoming years. So let people continue talk about it, but don't create such a stink about wanting them to take it down. As you said, you didn't box off your set, so in a way you allowed this to happen. You cannot backpedal. It's out there now. So just kind of let it be out there. Um, Me personally, I don't want to see a full suit right now. I want to wait. I want to wait till the first trailer. Then I want to see it. Um, So to me, don't show me at this moment. Um, I don't know what Marvel does, but it seems like they have a little bit of a better grasp on it, but as you said, we've seen the Eternals, and uh, there was a set photo back in Civil War of uh, Brock Rumlow and his, like, you know, scars, but they didn't look anything like they looked in the movie. They looked really minor, and some people had a problem with that, but then they came out with the movie uh, and obviously improved it, so you know, people are going to talk. Uh, I just think have them let, if you're going to not box off your set, accept that people are going to take pictures, accept that it's going to end up on the internet, and then just work hard to wow us in the first freaking trailer. So that's personally how, how I feel about it. Yeah, but I, the only pushback I have to that, Tia, is if you're Warner Brothers, you, you're not in a perfect situation to where you can allow us to create your narratives. Because, again, their recent track record is good. But there's a reason, Tia, why there is a screen test video released by Warner Brothers for their last three movies. There's a reason for that. They do want to create their own narratives. So when you do see this, you don't freak out. You don't 
go crazy. It's more like, all right, well, I saw the screen footage, you know, the test footage or whatever. You know, obviously the test footage looked better than the set photo. So Birds of Prey, they wanted to create their own narrative. Joker, they wanted to create their own narrative. This, they wanted to create their own narrative. I can almost guarantee you we'll have one soon for Suicide Squad. We'll have one soon, um, you know, once Shazam and Black Adam start filming. They want you to kind of go, all right, this is what I'm expecting. So when I see whatever, I can kind of just go, all right, well, I know it's going to look different. So to me, from a marketing standpoint, creating your own narrative is important if you don't have a good track record because you can't fall on your track record. <laughs> like you can't just say, all right, well, Joker just made a lot of money. And Birds of Prey, you know, maybe didn't make the money I wanted, but it made money. So, like, people are going to go see this. I don't think you're in a position where you can assume that. Um, so, it's like if you can put out all the good publicity that, you know, that you can, do it. Just a shot of what his suit looks like. See, I will never agree with you on waiting as long as you're willing to wait on, on reveal. <laughs> I will never agree okay, with that. I can tell you now. I can tell you now, that Batman trailer probably won't be out for the world. So maybe a lot of people are saying, a lot of insiders that folks are saying, like, December. Uh, like, it's going to be done filming well before that. San Diego Comic-Con will probably get one. Maybe Warner Brothers releases a version for us. But I'm hearing, like, maybe October, November, December, around there. And I can tell you right now, to you, I ain't waiting that long. <laughs> like... I'm not waiting that long at all. If you got it, show it. There's never anything wrong with showcasing goodness. Um, so, I mean, but, yeah, I mean, you're not working off a close set. You should just kind of know this. It happens. Um, but, um, Dan, I'm going to go to you. Where do you kind of fall on this? Are you more so like kids where it's like you don't really have to show me anything? I can wait, give me that first trailer and let that blow me away because that's more so of a exactly what to expect. I don't really have to piece much when I see it. It's like that's the final product. Um, are you more so impatient like myself? And it's like anything good you got, you drop it as soon as you can. Oh, that's such a good question. Uh, and you guys both made really good points. Um, my gut is telling me that I can wait. Uh, I'd rather you just, just keep us in suspense. The old uh, Steven Spielberg with Jaws uh, move. I don't need to see the the outfits and all that. I mean, prime example with um, with Endgame. I was so pumped up for it, and I didn't really know. I, I avoided any of the set photos that they might have had. And, I didn't want to see any of it. And then when I saw the trailer and I, I saw how they were going to be wearing the nanotech suits, I was like, oh, God, that's awesome. I was, it just made me more excited. So not that I'm not excited for the Batman. I, I love Batman. Uh, and Matt Reeves giving us that little glimpse with that tease was pretty awesome. Uh, but I would have rather have just waited for the trailer. Honestly, I, I would rather just be blown away by the first trailer or disappointed, whatever it would be. Uh, a, a buddy of mine actually brought up an interesting thought process where you know we have the set photos now, and some people are they like it, some people don't like it. 
And he asked the question, well, if there's enough pushback on the suit, would the, would WB go the route of Sonic and change things around? I was like, you know, I, I honestly I, don't believe they would I, do that with, with Batman. It's, that's totally different. Yeah, to me, the the reason why Sonic had to do a major overhaul was if you don't get that look right, like I was telling Joel this the other day, I was like, you know what I'm really curious about is if, if they kept the look of that old Sonic, right, and release it, but I still love the movie, like the heart of the movie, could I get mm-hmm. past how horrible he looked? I don't think I could. Like, I don't think there's any possible way I could look past how horrible that original concept looked and just embrace the movie for what it was. Batman is different, mainly because he's, well, this movie might be a little different, but usually Batman isn't Batman the entirety of the movie. Um, So if you don't like the suit, there's pivotal moments he'll be in it, obviously, um, but there's a guy named Bruce Wayne that exists. So it's like you're going to see some Bruce Wayne you're going to see some other things. And Batman is very uh, similar to Iron Man in the sense of they could change their suits. The suit you saw might not even be the final product and might not even be the final suit you see. Um, so That's there's true. an ability to, to change that with Sonic. He wasn't going to look better by the end of the movie. Like, that was just going to be your Sonic for an entire hour and 30 minutes. Um, so that's a lot harder to sell someone on because that's, that's final. Like that. Once you show me that, you don't digitalize him. You know, make him look better. Like for the end credits. Like that's it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's a great point. Um, and I don't think it would behoove WB to give into that kind of pressure anyway. I mean, they know that people are going to see the movie regardless because of the name attached to it. I, I mean, Batman prints money. So with Sonic, that was much more of a, a risk having to lose uh, a lot of revenue with how bad the design was. And I, I don't, I don't hate the uh, the suit so far. I like the armor aesthetic that they have to the uh, the body and everything. Uh, I'm not a fan of the cowl so much, but again, things it could change. Like you said, that might not even be his cowl the entire movie it might you know it could be any any sort of reason like a like a helmet for the uh the motorcycle but uh i i thought it looked a little bit too similar to daredevil and how the uh the eyes are kind of buggy and the uh the nose comes to the point and all that but i i'm not i'm not worried about pre-production or not pre-production um first first photos or first tests of the suit who knows what the finished product will be but overall i would say i'm happy with the suit and i, I think it, regardless i'm going to be excited to see the movie no matter how he looks uh but this didn't really change my mind either way yeah I, again the, the reason why you know i i was uh, I was saying before, I think I was saying last time we were talking about um, the test footage, it took me a while to to form an opinion, mainly because I'm like, it showed me nothing. Like, all right, cool. I know what his chest piece looks like. I know that Robert Pattinson has the jawline to pull off this mask. Great. Like, no, seriously, not even trying to be sarcastic. Great. That tells me nothing, right? 
So then I'm like, we get to the set photos, you know, photos that we're not supposed to see. That also tells me nothing because I'm like, I don't know. Like, it's a stunt double, so he looks a little bigger in the suit than I assume Pattinson will look. Um, that's one. And two, what if the suit is, isn't really going to look exactly like that? So I'm like, I don't really want to dig too deep into something that I get too worked up about that changes or I get too excited about that they go the opposite way. Um, so I try not to put too much credence in it. But the reason why I say waiting is never a good thing is if you wait till the first trailer, right, and everyone says, God, I hate this. You know what you really can't do? On, well, not that you can't do, but if you're Warner Brothers, you're not going to want to do is change anything, like literally anything. Um, if you release certain stuff now, people may be pointing out a few things here or there. You can maybe go, oh, well, we're going to do that anyway or, or whatever. It's just never a bad thing to have some constructive criticism when there's time to fix it. Like not everyone's willing to do what Sonic did. Not everyone. And I can guarantee you now, if you're a video game turning yourself into a live-action movie, they're going to release more photos well before filming is even uh, remotely done. Why? So if there's an outcry again, you have plenty of time to, to change it so you don't have to push a release date. Um, so I can almost guarantee you a lot of people are, are going to see that and kind of go, I don't want to have to do what they did. And they spent crazy money to fix that Sonic. Um, so you just don't want to put yourself in positions like that. Um, but to me, releasing stuff early that's actually official is never a bad thing, is why I said there's no true reason to wait. Because you could wait, release a trailer, we hate it, now that's final. Um, that hurts you more. But if you release it, it gives people time to get over it, people to, you know, feel with it. I can't tell you guys how many people hated um, sad Batman. Um, people hated Ben's look or Zach's look of, of Ben standing in front of the car. Um, so, I mean, you know, releasing that gave people time to A, either get over it or B, to really, you know, enjoy it. So, I mean, you know, waiting too long sometimes, not the best of things. Um, but Dan, I want to kick it back to you. Before you head out, man, um, I want you to let us know where we can find both of your podcasts. Awesome. Yeah, I, I apologize. I got to run. It's been so much fun talking with you. I will always talk Batman. That's that's my guy. Uh, you can find me, my personal Twitter is at Aquino 122 You can also find me on the podcast that I do with the main Damie. Uh, they call this a movie. Our episodes air every Thursday. And you could also find me on Stranger Damies, our real play Dungeons and Dragons podcast, which airs every Wednesday. Uh, this week coming up will be our 100th episode. So please uh, go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, like and subscribe and all that jazz. Uh, but yeah, we are the main Damie. So our Twitter is at the main Damie. Uh, yeah, if you have any movies you want us to watch or just want to chat, hit us up. We are very friendly people. I hope I convey that on this podcast. Uh, and that's it. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's where you can find me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, for coming on and podding with us, Dan. Make sure you got, you guys go follow them. Don't worry. If you didn't catch it or you missed this episode, we post these guys all the time. Um, so anywhere you find us, that's exactly where you will find them. Uh, make sure you guys follow, like, subscribe, leave your comments, thoughts, 
questions, um, and Dan and these guys will definitely take care of you guys and entertain the hell out of you. Uh, T, I believe, could speak to that definitely. Um, so make sure you guys go follow them. And uh, we appreciate it, Dan. Thank you, buddy. Juwan, Tia, thank you guys so much. Enjoy your night. Enjoy the weekend. You too, brother. Bye. All right, Tia. Um, to wrap us up, I think all we got left is um, Suicide Squad, right? Some news about yeah. Suicide Squad? Unless you also want to uh, talk about the upcoming Star Wars movie, but that's just kind of a confirmation that a new Star Wars movie is going to be in the works, but there's no real additional information after that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I what the reason why I don't necessarily want to talk about it is every time they say a new series or a new movie, I say the same thing. I want Knights of the Old Republic, only to hear that I probably won't be getting Knights of the Old Republic. I'm starting to get depressed. Um, so I'd rather wait till there's more information and then react to whatever the story is going to be. But they definitely have a great director um, attached to it. Um, so, I mean, congrats on that. Um, but outside of that, I want to wait till there's more news. I'm with you, Tia. Let, let, let's, let's see what else kind of fleshes out, if this guy even stays. Uh, because Kathleen uh, <laughs> Kennedy is not really holding directors uh, lately. So let, let's see if that holds. But, um, Tia, you yeah. got some, um, excuse me, some Suicide Squad 2 news for us. Yes. So, I mean, I feel like this is a bit of a repetition because I could have sworn that this was something that was kind of said months and months ago, but maybe people, uh, well, obviously people have a short-term memory or maybe people didn't really see it back in the day. So, uh, right now, uh, the Suicide Squad, otherwise known as Suicide Squad 2, is in the middle of filming. Well, a few actors uh, kind of revealed that they are finished filming the movie in Panama. Now, the movie itself has not finished filming. It's just that these few individual characters have finished uh, filming. So I think that came to uh, as a surprise to some people because now they're tweeting to James Gunn asking, oh, well, what does that mean? Did they film the end? Does this mean that some of the characters aren't making it to the end? And James Gunn, A, he had to reveal two things. One is the thing that I feel like everyone should know about movie making at this point is that they never film a movie in order. Uh, Usually I believe I've heard that movies film the last scene first, But James Gunn then also said, hey, not every main character is going to make it to the end and literally did hashtag don't get too attached. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going to say two things, but correct me if I'm wrong, uh, this is a normal thing with the Suicide Squad in comics is that they don't always make it. Uh, That's kind of the whole idea of the Suicide Squad is that they are, uh, you know, dis- disposable. Sorry, I can't talk. But also, this isn't going to be like the first Suicide Squad. Oh, my God, John, I can't talk. The first Suicide Squad <laughs> where the only person who died was the most insignificant character of all time. So this means that 
there are going to be main characters who are dying. And now that I'm thinking about it, I will let you know that I want to say that probably Rick Flagg is dying. And the only reason why I say that is because Joel Kinnaman finished filming like weeks ago. Now, that may not mean anything because I just said that they film out of sequence. But, you know, that's the main character. That was someone who was in the first film. Uh, and that could be possible. He could, like, to me, when James Gunn first came out with the whole cast list, um, I made this big post where I put X's on, like, all the people who I'm like, these people are going to die. And I feel like only three of them are going to live. Like, I feel like James Gunn, I mean, let's be real, he killed freaking Yondu in the second Guardians of the Galaxy and full-on said that he is never bringing that guy back. So I have a feeling that James Gunn is bold enough and ballsy enough that he's going to kill off, like, at least half of the freaking cast. I'd say I slightly... Everything you said was accurate, by the way. Uh, I didn't have to correct you on legit anything. Like, you're absolutely 100% correct. I would say as far as Joel Kinnaman, I wouldn't look too much into that because I remember when he and Harley were first announced to be returning, it was said that Harley would just be a cameo. We now know she's way more than a damn cameo. He even came out and said Harley has a big part in this in this movie. All the set photos we've seen, I feel like almost every one of them has had Harley in it. So what I'm thinking mm. is to you, Rick Flagg is more of a cameo. Um, rather than a full-fledged member of the team like he was last time. Um, I think the only person Which returning that is... <laughs> well, would you rather him die? You're right, you're right. You know, uh, <laughs> I can't disagree with you, but either way, I'll cry. <laughs> um, but no, as you were talking, the first thing I thought was it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for James Gunn to go, this guy I I liked. I wanted to bring him back so everyone knew that it was, you know, along the lines of the same same people as the, the first one. Um, but Rick Flagg is here really for Waller. Like, maybe he has a few scenes with Waller. Um, but it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. I mean, if you followed the first movie, he clearly didn't want to work with Waller anymore. Um, so maybe that's what this is about. Maybe she goes to him and says, you know, come back. And then he kind of gives her a Hugh Jackman um, like Hugh Jackman did in that, that X-Men movie that he wasn't really in, uh, the big F.U. Um, yeah, maybe he gives her the big F.U., and that's his big grandstand of the movie. I wouldn't be shocked at all. I just honestly wouldn't be. This cast seems like it's too big to have two. Like, the first cast was like, all right, these are all the people part of the team. There wasn't really extra people. This movie seems like there's, like, 12 people that are part of the team. So it's like, all right, well, if you don't really have a big role for Joel Kinnaman, just bring him in as like a little funny moment, and then that's it. But I wouldn't say he would die, mainly because I don't think he's part of the team. Um, so that's, right. that's where my, my brain goes, is that he's not part of the team, so there is no trigger in his neck. There is no bomb. Um, he's not controlling anything anymore. He kind of wants to go be with Enchantress or whatever her real – Jane Moon or June Moon, whatever the hell. Um <laughs> Yeah, maybe he started a life with her somewhere. So it's like maybe he's just kind of, you know, filling in some space here and there, but isn't really part of the movie. So that's where my mind went. Um, But I am 100% with you. I have heard that also. A lot of 
uh, a lot of directors like to film the final scene first um, because while people might see a set photo and say, oh, they started filming, their mindset is you have no idea I just filmed the end of it. <laughs> you have absolutely no idea. Um, so you can't follow a set photo and figure out what's going on. A lot of people like to, you know, mix it up. I just filmed eight people dying. You don't even know. <laughs> like, like by the time you get into the actual set photos of things, I'm filming the beginning. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I have heard that also, Tia. Um, definitely big ups for, for mentioning that. But um, Did you see? Go ahead. Did you see, by the way, so speaking of Harley Quinn, right, because there's so much to freaking talk about with her. Um, Two things. First of all, it's hilarious that there seems to be such a debate over her costume. You have people who are absolutely shitting on her costumes and birds of prey, including the freaking creator of Deadpool. Um, But then you have also people who are kind of shitting on what they see so far of Harley Quinn and James Gunn's movie, like calling it a downgrade, which personally, I love Harley Quinn's looks no matter what. I love them in the first Suicide Squad. I love them for what I saw in Birds of Prey. And I love actually it, what I'm seeing in the Suicide Squad, because it looks like we finally have Harley back to her black and red origins. Like, I love Harley no matter what, but this whole blue and pink thing that's been going on for years has not really been my favorite. I am a big fan of her having the bread, uh, the black and red like look there. But what I was going to ask you is, did you see that in some of the set photos, she seems to be carrying this weapon, uh, a spear of some sort, and it. But there was a character in other set photos from the beginning who seem to have had the same exact weapon. So people are guessing that that character must have died at some point, and that's the reason why Harley has it now. Javelin. Yeah, Javelin. She's uh, yeah. she's carrying mm-hmm. a Javelin. There's a character, I think his name is Javelin, but I could be wrong. But um, Carrie Javelin, I wouldn't be surprised if she did die. I mean, Javelin, like, think about that. He, he carries a javelin, and that's it. He throws the javelin. That'd be the guy I would assume would die like five not. seconds into the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that wouldn't shock me at all. That'd be the guy I'm expecting to die, um, like, quickly. So, yeah, but um, as far as her look, I just want everyone to know, to me, there are very few characters that need to have an iconic look. Um, Harley Quinn is not one of them. We have seen through her history that, you know, again, remind everyone, she started in Batman the Animated Series, but since then, we have seen her drastically change her look, always. Um, So to me, it's like telling me that Joker has to wear a suit every time you see him. He doesn't. I mean, if Joker wanted to start shooting people in, you know, in Levi's, I wouldn't really find much, much, you know, much bad about that. All right, you know, start shooting people in Levi's. I don't really care. Um, so, you know, to me, I'm not really hung up on that. Uh, she's not one of those characters I need to look a certain way per movie. The look you're referring to, Tia, I believe is the new 52 look. 
Um, they've mm-hmm. had that look in a few of the animated movies of the black and red um, to play off of her original Jester outfit that was black and red. Um, I I don't really know why everyone hates how Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn dresses. Um, I, 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 I'll never understand that. It's only coming from men. So I'm like, I, yeah. I can't even begin to, to discuss how toxic that, that, uh, that rabbit hole is. Um, doesn't bother me. I haven't even thought about it. Uh, I do know, to, to not really sound hypocritical here, I do know I didn't like the look of the, you know, when we got the test footage. Um, I remember coming on here saying it was just weird. Why? Why are you going so left for her to look just different? Um, but, I mean, I saw the movie, and it didn't bother me at all. Like, I, I don't even remember batting an eye at it. So, I mean, I, I let that go rather quickly. Um, but, yeah, her look means nothing. I'm excited that she means more to this movie than we originally thought she would. Um, I mean, who's complaining about Margot Robbie, right? Like, who would, wouldn't want to see more of her Harley Quinn? Um, I'm just really and it excited also for goes, this. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, it also goes to show the continuity because right. I feel like all of these movies that are within, like, say, the Suicide Squad type of world uh, have all tried to kind of say that, no, we're not really attached to the 2016 movie. It's not a sequel. It's this, and it's like, it's a, I'm sorry, James Gunn, I love you, but it's a sequel, okay? You can't say that you're bringing back, like, at least four of the same characters that are played by the same actors from the 2016 movie and say, it's not a sequel. You got Margot Robbie coming back as freaking Harley Quinn, Joel Kinnaman coming back as Rick Flagg, Jai Courtney as Boomerang, and freaking Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. It's a sequel. I I mean, I like I said before, I get where he, he is full of shit. Let me, let me back you up on that. <laughs> but... Um, Two things can be right in the situation. It can be a sequel in the in the the terms of it's a follow up from the first movie, right? But then in his terms, he's saying everything that happened in that first movie, don't look for me to mention not one thing about it. Like don't look for me to mention the attack, don't look for me to mention Enchantress. You might not even see Enchantress. It's not a movie that picks up where that left off. Like, this movie could be five years later. This movie could be five hours later. This movie could be five days, five months, whatever. Um, So I think he means, in his terminology, it's not a direct follow-up. Just like BVS is 100% a sequel to Man of Steel. Not the one people want, but it is, to some degree, a follow-up from Man of Steel. But if that came out, he would tell you it's not. It, it's not a sequel by any by any means. Um, you have a you know you have a uh, a Superman who has kind of been around the block a few times, obviously from the last time we left him. Um, so it's not a direct from where we just left off. Um, a lot of sequels do it, a lot don't. But I'm with you. It, it, it's a sequel. James Gunn. This is Suicide Squad two. Um, you know, for all in, you know in, intensive purposes. That's a follow-up. But I do get what he's saying. 
don't hold too much of the first one to this second one. Like, don't think you had to see the first one to understand this one. And in that terminology, it's not a sequel in the sense of usually if you see a first, like, let me see. Um, uh, you can't see the first uh, Born Identity, right? You can't see Born Supremacy and you didn't see Born Identity. You'll, you have no clue what's going on because that's a direct tie-in. Each one ties into the other, right? You can 100% <laughs> see an Avengers movie and not have seen not one of the solo movies because the Avengers movie is a tie-in that flows, but it is not a direct sequel to any. Um, so, I mean, I know that might have just confused things even more, um, but I think to a lot of directors, a sequel to them is something that directly ties in. I think he's saying this will not directly tie in. It just happens to have familiar faces. Um, so like, I get exactly what both of you are saying, but you're a hundred percent right. But I think he could be seen as correct also, but we have to see the movie. You know, I, I feel as though we have to see the movie to see where they tie it in besides the fact that they're just bringing back familiar faces. Yeah. And I agree because I don't think that James Dunn is probably going to concentrate too much on what happened in 2016's uh, movie. There may be a mention here and there. It would be funny if uh, Harley Quinn said something like, didn't we all meet up and, you know, there was some weird dancing woman, you know, oh, uh, Rick, you were, you were fucking her at some point. And he's like, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. We broke up or something. You know, and, then that, and that's, that's the only mention of it. You know, we don't need to go any further into it. Uh, but there is going, you know, while this movie, I believe, is supposed to be said to be more, I don't know if it's said to be more grounded. I think I'm getting that confused with Joel Kim and Ashley having said at some point that he believes that the 2016 one would have been better if it was more grounded. But James Gunn, I believe, is including, like, aliens and stuff. So it's going to be wacky, and it's going to be crazy. Uh, but we've seen what he's done with the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, franchise and his involvement in other Marvel movies such as Infinity War. And I think that he is going to really help this franchise because you know how I feel about Suicide Squad. I think you had a good concept there and good characters to build on and I think that just perhaps David Ayer wasn't you know bold enough or maybe WB was holding him back from doing something like James Gunn is doing say bringing in all these characters and acknowledging that he's going to kill a good amount of them all yeah, I, my biggest issue with that first Suicide Squad movie is that it looked like they were two separate movies. Um, yeah. I will never be a fan of you telling me that a group mainly made up of humans are fighting a super-powered witch. I, it just, the, the aesthetics of it just don't even make sense. Wait, he has a boomerang? She has a bat? Handgun? Like, and they're facing what? Like, it just doesn't make sense. So, you know, I, I would like the idea of if James Gunn is going to have aliens or whatever, or whatever he decides to have, balance it. 
balance it. Like, I would have been fine if the first Suicide Squad movie, I can't talk either, kid, it's contagious, um, <laughs> gave them weapons, like weapons that could take out something like that. Um, just something to make it more believable. Um, and I think it just didn't have that. So that's what Joel Kinnaman means by more grounded. Like, if they were facing Joker, that's a movie I can really get behind. Um, you know, seeing Joker try to figure out a way to take out Diablo, like that would have been awesome. Um, you know, but you telling me like they're facing this, this, you know, this this witch. It's like, no, no, this, no, no. Um, and, and my biggest issue, Tia, was I couldn't find enough good to outweigh how much bad I felt as though um that movie had. And there's there's a lot of good, but. Just not enough. Not enough to carry me. Um, but I mean, again, I've seen worse. The Ang Lee's Hulk. That movie still exists. So I mean, as long <laughs> as that exists, nothing will ever be worse than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the more of the story is me and you are both looking forward to this movie. It's one of our um, our must sees, uh, mainly because we both enjoy James Gunn. We both enjoy the Suicide Squad. The whole concept of it, the whole idea of bringing back some more familiar faces, uh, kind of keeping us in the same groove uh, that we know of from the first one. So we're looking forward to this. Uh, we really are. Give us some first looks, James Gunn. Give us a teaser. Give us the um, the, the rollout like we got for Birds of Prey, Joker and the Batman, some test footage or whatever. Uh, you got a lot of people in here we're looking for confirmations for. Uh, I... I want to know more than anything who the hell Idris Elba is playing. Because um, it does not look like the vigilante, like, at all. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he is the vigilante, but just doesn't wear the mask, just doesn't have the iconic look. And if he doesn't, I trust you, James Gunn. Even though I still hate what you did to Star-Lord, I will forever trust you in your judgment. So I shall wait and see. Um, but, yes, I am looking forward to this movie 100%. Um, so, John, while we have a little bit of time, I, it popped up in my head because we are talking pretty much a lot in this podcast about, uh, you know, reception from fans and everything, and I wanted to get your opinion on something that happened recently, and uh, I do still wish that Dan was on because he was, uh, we were talking about the Spider-Man uh fandom at some point in, say, the past few weeks. But anyway, in a recent interview, Tom Holland was, uh, you know, asked who would he, uh, you know, who would Peter want to bring back from the dead, essentially? You know, Uncle Ben, his parents, or Tony Stark? And Tom Holland said Tony Stark. And, of course, Mm -hmm. the Spider-Man fandom, like, absolutely ate him alive. People like F. Tom Holland, worst Spider-Man ever, you know, MCU chose so poorly, blah, blah, blah. And and I'm just going to give my opinion really quick, but from a comic book standard, I can understand people being pissed about Uncle Ben. But we didn't see Uncle Ben die in the MCU. We have seen the bond between Tony and Peter Parker. Tom Holland has filmed the scenes between Peter 
and Tony Stark. So to me, it makes complete sense that he would say Tony Stark, considering you just showed us in about what a five-movie arc of how much Tony Stark means to this character. While in the background, we are supposed to remember that Uncle Ben meant a lot to Peter Parker, we have not seen that. So why would Tom Holland say for that Peter Parker, uh, it's, you know, you know, not Uncle Ben. Like, obviously, if this was Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, like, yes, the answer would be Uncle Ben, but this is the MCU Spider-Man. It's his, his Uncle Ben is essentially Tony Stark. So what are your thoughts with this whole, out, you know, backlash, and do you agree? What do you think of Tom Holland's comments? I don't think fanboys have a right to be upset, um, mainly because I don't know what they want. Um, Joel gets pissed every time I tell him this to you. Uh, like, legit, every when he hears this, he's going to text me really pissed off. I try to tell him, Uncle Ben does not exist in the MCU. As much as, you know, it, it's there, you hear Aunt May talk about him, he doesn't exist. I haven't seen him. Have you seen him? Have you seen Uncle Ben, Tia? Have you seen him at all? We haven't seen him die. <laughs> okay. I haven't seen him at all. I haven't seen him alive. So I'm like, I don't believe in something I don't see. You can tell me about There's it. No I didn't see it. There's no pictures, nothing. I don't see it. So you know what I say? Tony is his Uncle Ben. And this is where Joel really gets pissed off. The moment oh where Tony is sitting talking to Peter, I believe is Peter's first time hearing the with great power comes great responsibility speech. That's essentially what Stark was telling him without actually saying it. And it does seem like Peter heard those words before. Again, I have to assume that. Peter didn't say, my Uncle Ben used to always say, with great power comes great responsibility. I am not piecing shit together. That's not my job. My job is to react on what I know. And what I know is there's no Uncle Ben that I have seen. So Uncle Ben is Tony. I can't help that people hate the idea that we don't see this poor old man die for the 157th time. I'm sorry. But you can't be mad that they changed things up because Amazing Spider-Man changed it up with Peter's dad still being alive. Peter's dad was been dead, and he was still alive. They deleted the scene, but they filmed the scene of Peter at someone's at Gwen's grave and his dad coming to visit him, I believe, at the, towards the end of the movie. So I'm like, no one really cared about that. No one really cared if his dad came back to life. So why does it matter that Peter doesn't have that kind of relationship with Uncle Ben the way that he did with Tony? Um, I, always, I always think this, Tia. His parents could have died when he was five. Uncle Ben could have died when he was like 10, 11, or 12, right? So, you know, kind of really early on. Um, maybe, who knows? What if Aunt May and Uncle Ben weren't that close? What if they separated? What if they divorced? There's so many different ways you can go. That's why I don't like feeding energy to something I have no information on. I'd rather go with what we do know, which is uh, Peter viewed Tony like a father. Um, And we felt that. We felt that in I Don't Want to Die, Mr. Stark. We felt that in Oh My God, You Just Died, Mr. Stark. We felt that, right? So to me, that's the connection. You know, like, you know, if if you grew up with a parent, but you moved away from them when you were five, and then you grew up with your aunt and your uncle, and then something happened to your aunt and your uncle, 
that bond might be stronger than the one you had with, with your parents because that's the, that's the only one that you know. So I'm like, it's possible Uncle Ben is, is a distant memory. It's possible his parents died when he was too young to know them. Um, so Tony was the person, you know, that was there for him. That's 100% believable. Um, you know, so to me, I, what's wrong with that? Shit, I mean, half these fanboys here that you're talking about that are mad would love to have Tony back. <laughs> like, they would love to have Tony back. Tom Holland actually had power to bring someone back, and he decided Uncle Ben <laughs> and Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, Tony Stark stayed dead. They'd be mad as hell. So I'm like, the kid is going off of what this uh, version of Spider-Man uh, holds dear, and that was Tony. No problem. There's no problem with that. It's funny. I saw this one person who's like, oh, you could tell that Tom Holland was hesitating. He wanted to say Uncle Ben so badly, but he knew that Disney would uh, fire him or something like that. And as you said, I mean, we never saw this old man on screen. Are we supposed to imagine that uh, Peter Parker has more of a connection with him than someone we've literally seen him have a connection with. I mean, shit, in in Spider-Man Far From Home, he spent the whole entire movie saying how much he missed Tony. I'm sorry, uh, Jalan, go ahead. No, I was just even, I was going to piggyback to you. I was just going to say, we don't even really hear him talk about Uncle Ben. Um, And I I kept telling Joel, maybe that's something he does in a third movie, because being on the run kind of, you know, maybe, you know, brings things close to home for him. Um, So maybe he starts to talk to Ned or someone about Uncle Ben. But when have you heard him say the words Uncle Ben? I don't recall. I'm not saying he hasn't. I don't recall it. I don't recall him sitting there saying, man, I may. You know who I miss? Uncle Ben. So I'm like, shit, if if he doesn't miss him, what the hell should I miss him for? Like, (laughs) I'm supposed to care more than the character? The only thing that we – the only two little tidbits that we – have seen, and you can just kind of guess it. It's not even really there. Uh, Once in Civil War, when Peter told Tony that when you have what I have, but you can't use it to save the people that you love or something like that, you're supposed to assume that he's talking about Uncle Ben. Uh, And then in Far From Home, I believe his briefcase had uh, Uncle Ben's initials or something like that. But prior to that, right. yeah, you're right. We've never even heard him say, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, happy, uh, you know, you need to be careful about uh, dating my Aunt May because, you know, she lost my Uncle Ben not too long ago. Or Aunt May, do you think right. it's too soon to move on from Uncle Ben with happy, you know? Like, you're even bringing even in another character. You're, you're even bringing in another character happy to replace the void that Uncle Ben has. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I'm 100% with you, Thea. To me, again, I, I read the comics. You know, obviously not all of them, but I read a lot of Spider-Man comics, specifically the Ultimate Spider-Man comics. I know how much Uncle Ben means to the mythos of of um, excuse me, of um, of Spider-Man. But, like, picture if Robert Pattinson's, Pattinson's Batman doesn't ever mention his parents, right? But Alfred dies, and you see it breaks him. I would say Alfred in this universe seems like filled the void of his parents. Like maybe Alfred has that that moment where he gets shot down and it spirals Bruce, 
or something along the lines of that that reminds him of when his parents died. But what if Bruce's parents died in this universe when he was two? <laughs> you know, instead yeah. of like when he was ten. So I'm like, it's a good chance that you know Alfred might have replaced his parents in this universe. Um, same way it looks like Tony uh, and Happy, in a sense, replaced Uncle Ben. But to me, when he saw Aunt May dating Happy, it wasn't like, oh man, he's trying to replace Uncle Ben. It was more so like, ill. Like I know you, and you're trying to date my aunt. It was more like that. It wasn't like I don't want Aunt May to to love anyone except for Uncle Ben. So I'm like, I don't know. I just think fanboys usually take time to get upset about anything. And this is one of those anythings. But I, again, I'm not caring more about a character than the actual characters in the movie. So if he doesn't feel the need to say Uncle Ben's name or even show that he, that he remembers them or loved them or anything, no, nah, you're not getting it from me. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I 100% agree. I just thought that uh, I should bring that up because it's always so interesting uh, seeing certain fandoms like really just get so passionate but in the wrong way. And I feel like those fandoms are the Spider-Man fandom, the release the Snyder Cut fandom, and surprisingly the Sonic fandom. But it's yeah. just it's funny. Uh, I feel like people literally think that these actors should care about, like, obviously we want them to care about these characters, you're playing them, but in the end they are fictional characters and they act as if, you know, they better not commit sacrilege or we're gonna, like, they act as if, like, people like Tom Holland are being tortured back in the Disney headquarters. You know, you better say this next time someone interviews you. Like, chill out, man. Chill out. Yeah, but what he said, what he said was accurate. I mean, if you ask Peter today, who's the one person that could help him right now? Who's the one person that could understand what he's going through? It'd be the guy that mentored him for however many years since Civil War happened. So, I mean, they wouldn't be wrong. Like, I wouldn't assume they were wrong. We saw how hurt um, uh, Tony was when Peter died. So I'm like, you would assume uh, Tony saw Peter as a son. Um, so I'm like, it's the answer. It's the right answer. It's the complete right answer. It's like the right answer of who Cap gave a shield to should always be Sam. Like, I, I don't care that you, you thought uh, Bucky and Cap loved each other. He's not the right guy for the shield. He's just not. He's not. He's not the guy Steve in the comics gave the shield to. He's not the guy that Steve in the movies gave the shield to. It just wasn't the right guy. So Uncle Ben to me oh. just wasn't the right guy. It happened to be Tony. So really quick, um, uh, gosh, I, I don't have the name of the actor. I don't know if you want to look it up or anything, but there are casting rumors uh, that this gentleman from Supergirl. Uh, has been brought into the Falcon and Winter Soldier show, and they are surmising that he might be playing this character, Isaiah, who, in fact, is the actual uh, first uh, black Captain America. So that's, if, if that's true, it's going to be really interesting, the dynamic of uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier show, because you're going to have all these different, say, variations of Captain America in one. And I feel like if they are bold enough to introduce this character, 
remember we were talking a few weeks back where you were saying that if, you know, uh, the, like the show, if they're going to do it, they should do it all the way. Like, why are they really adverse to the fact that Sam Wilson is the new Captain America? And his name is Carl Lumley um, from, okay. from Supergirl. Um, right. But, yeah, no, I mean, like I said, Tia, people just find reasons to be upset about things. That it's just like, why? Why that? Like, why is that the thing that's really breaking down your day? Um, and we, me and you don't have the answers to that. To, to us, it kind of seems silly. Like, there are things to be upset about. How Sonic looks, that's exactly the time to be upset. That's the time to revolt. Oh, yeah. That's the time to start just randomly flipping over furniture, pushing old ladies down. That's the time to go nuts. Um, well, that look Tom was Holland, horrific. It was horrible. But Tom Holland saying he'd rather bring back the guy in continuity it meant more to the character in continuity um, or, you know, Falcon getting the shield, just certain things like that. It's like, why? Like, why? Why, why, is, that, because, why is that the thing that upsets you? People just like to, you know, people have favorites, and that's cool. Like, if, say, Bucky is your favorite, you know, Bucky's cool. But, like, look at the MCU from not – such a small lens. There is no one else who was more worthy of that shield other than Sam. Like, literally, if Cap had turned around and gave it to Bucky, I'd be like, really? <laughs> when he gave it to Sam, it was like, this makes sense. Like, there is no one else more worthy to be, uh, you know, the new Captain America than Sam. Like, it's the same thing on screen. We've seen their bond. I want to say we've seen their bond more than we've seen Steve and Bucky's bond. All we know is background. Okay, yeah, they were friends, but we didn't see them really together for most of the first Captain America. The second Captain America, they were enemies of each other. And the third one, we didn't know if we could trust Bucky or not. But since day one, Falcon has been by Cap's side, fighting and kicking at What does he literally say? The guys who shoot at you are generally shooting at me too. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, in, in no, like in the comics, he gave it to Sam. Um, so I'm like, I, if you're arguing that in the movies it made it seem like uh, Cap and Bucky were closer, think about this. Falcon, right? Sam, let me say Sam. Let me not stop calling him Falcon. Sam decided to stop his everyday life to help Cap find Cap's best friend. Think about that for a second. Sam stopped his life to help Cap find Cap. So don't tell me that you don't get the relationship those two have when Sam almost stupidly said, you know what, I'm bored in my regular life. I'm going to get shot at every day, and I'm going to help you find your best friend. I mean, as simple as that, right? I mean, no harm to really come from that. That, to me, is the true I mean- friend more than anything else. He he pretty much volunteered to fight against, you know, a guy who had his own version of a super soldier serum with a metal arm. And Sam is just, quote, unquote, a normal guy. He has some mechanical wings that, you know, give him some really awesome, you know, abilities in a fight. But in the end, he's just a regular guy. But he was willing to go toe-to-toe with freaking whomever 
you know, just for Cap. Cap and uh, Natasha show up at his door. Uh, everyone's trying to kill us. Well, not everyone. Come on, guys. It's like, you're right. Like, he really did stop his normal life <laughs> just to be like, you know what sounds and- great? I'm going to go on the run from the government. <laughs> exactly. And I'll make a better point because to me, that's what true friendship is about. That's what you value it by. When Cap woke up from having literally the dog shit beat out of him, who was the first person he woke up to, Tia? Sam. Right. Wasn't Bucky. Bucky was out finding himself. <laughs> Sam was the one sitting there right next to Cap. Uh, to what I assume had been, uh, you know, since he got out of surgery or recovery or whatever sam was there sitting next to him that to me means more than the fact that i grew up with you um i almost yeah. died like by your hands and you didn't even come by like of course bucky couldn't just pop in the cops would have arrested him of course but could have made some like dropped a burner phone or a uh, burner phone on him called him something came to visit him once he got out um but now sam was there so to me it's like yeah they built a friendship and remember this there's a huge time gap <laughs> that we don't know about of when Cap and, and um, Falcon could have grown their friendship. Uh, we don't yeah. ever know timelines in the MCU, so we can't really hold much much of that. So they could have been friends for, what, five, ten years. Uh, we don't know. There's a huge time gap. We don't know how, long, how large that time gap was. Um, but, yeah, to me, there's certain things to get upset about. I get it. I'm a Batman fan. There's plenty of things I get upset about. But you got to remember, movies are always going to be different than the comics. Once you are able to embrace that, things just don't really bother you anymore. You know, you're able to kind of just say, eh, nah, eh. And I know what you're going to say, so let me be very specific before we wrap up. I judge Nolan's trilogy for not being good Batman movies. But I tell you every day, I would always say to you, they're great movies. They're really good movies. If this is about anybody else that I did not care about, I would just view it and say, they're just great movies. End of the story. Batman movies? I will never say that to you. So that's me looking at it from both lenses. From I'm a diehard Batman fan, and now I'm looking at it just purely from a fan of good movies. Really good movies. Simple as that is all I can really say. Fair enough, Joan. <laughs> That's all I got, Tia. That's all I got. Uh, but Tia, <laughs> thank you so much. I want to thank Dan uh, so much for joining us. We had a great episode. I really like that we went off, off, um, you know, off on our own little thing there at the end. That was a lot of fun. I'm glad you brought that up. Now I have a, a reason, another reason to avoid Twitter, and it's because of the Spider-Man <laughs> idiot. Um, so yeah. I always need a, I always need a reminder of why I stay away from Twitter. Um, but I had a great episode. I'm glad we did this. We got, uh, we were able to knock this out. Um, can't wait till we do another episode, Tia. Thank you again for, uh, for podding with me. Yes, absolutely. And everyone, please make sure that you keep an eye tomorrow on our top 10 and all the other fantastic podcasts that we have here at Geek Vibes Nation. You can check us out at geekvibesnation.com. Make sure that you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're there. We provide you with the best news, opinion pieces, and everything in between. So, oh, and yeah, if you like giveaways, we got them too. So make sure that you check that out and have yourselves a great night. Thank you, John. Absolutely. We will see you guys same time, same place next week. Peace.